1: Hey, Dale. Got a new assignment for you. Vacation.
0: Uh, thanks, boss. Y- you mean it? You betcha. Self-care is good for business. Sometimes, things just get better. Like AT&T. We've invested more than $150 million to grow our wireless network coverage to over 99% of Nebraska. Visit att.com Nebraska and learn how to get a free smartphone when you switch to AT&T. Coverage on available everywhere. Over 99% coverage based on third-party data. Network investments based on 2018 through 2020 expenditure. reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey and I am joined as always by... Brendan, this episode, unlike our last, we are back to our family-friendly programming. Brendan and I may take a moment to recalibrate that. We have to remember (laughs) that we can't just say whatever we want, and you know that we do. But it's probably for the best that we save those episodes for when they're really necessary. But hopefully you enjoyed that, and today we're going to be taking a a pretty different tone. Uh, That tone was more of anger and catharsis and vitriol. Today's tone is going to be a little more melodramatic, a little more emotional. And as we are coming to you on this Sunday, the Chicago Cubs season is over. They finish with a loss to the NL Central champion, St. Louis Cardinals. I apologize for having Why did
1: you say that? Why did you have to even say that? I
0: apologize for verbalizing it, but the Cubs did that to us, so I think it's fair to pointed out, but the Cubs win a couple games in this series. They try to play spoiler, at least to force the Brewers and the Cardinals into a game 163, but the Brewers not living up to their end as they get walloped by the Colorado Rockies for the majority of the weekend. So, we are coming to you today. The season is over. 162 games have been played. And the reason that today's episode is going to be a little more emotional and melodramatic is because as of this moment, Brendan, Joe Madden is the former manager of the Chicago Cubs. Mm. Theo Epstein and the Brain Trust, along with Joe Madden getting together with the media before Sunday's game and announcing that their five-year relationship would be concluding at the end of Sunday's game. Obviously, Joe not on a contract. His contract ends when this season ends, so he was not fired, uh, something that for whatever reason needs to be made clear to a lot of people. He was not fired. He just was not offered a contract extension. So, Joe Madden is no longer the manager of the Chicago Cubs, and I can't see into the future, Brendan, but I would assume that is pretty much all we're going to talk about here on this episode of the Cubs Related Podcast, and with that introduction, I will throw it to my co-host, Brendan, who... Owns a Joe Madden jersey. So <laughs> I, I, I am I am hoping for his sake that he's able to get through this podcast without you guys being able to hear Ooh. the tissues and the sniffling going on in the background. But if you do, I, I think we're all on the same page there, Brendan.
1: What struck us the most as fans, at least for me, is Joe is relatable, man. I mean, the stuff he was saying immediately coming over to the team was directed at baseball, but I mean, you can you can extend that to any life philosophy, man. And so I think among all of Joe's antics, among all of Joe's Madden-isms, if you will, the guy was the most relatable Chicago Cubs manager in my lifetime, and more than likely one of the, if not the most memorable managers in all of our lifetimes forever. I mean, he was the guy who quite literally, Corey, changed the way we think about this team in high-pressure moments, the way we think about this team's comfort level in any type of playoff scenario. I think there was always a a sense of doom and gloom, no matter what the circumstances were for playoff teams, and Joe erased all of that. He, He erased all of that the moment he came over. He Destroyed the St. Louis Cardinals in his first year as Cubs manager in 2015. Took them five years, guys. Five freaking years for the Cardinals to get back or five seasons, whatever it is. So, Corey, I I think I speak for you as well. Thank you. Sincerely, genuinely thank you for everything.
0: The daily grind of the baseball season, the 162-game schedule, is always going to lend itself to... Nitpicking and complaining and relitigating everything that that happens on the field, and I, I think that you would be unlikely to find any fan base that on a daily basis is really supportive or happy with every single decision that their manager makes. It's just sort of the nature of the business, right? A lot of these decisions are easy to second guess in the first place. They're definitely easy to second guess in hindsight. And I th- I think that that's just part of the deal. And Brendan and I certainly had no qualms sharing our concerns and issues with some of the decisions that Joe made but that's again just part of watching a team for 162 games living and dying with every pitch and wanting the team to succeed but it's it's in no way indicative i think of your overall feeling of someone and i i think that especially for People close to you and I, in age Brendan, uh, you know, kind of in our late twenties, he's easily the best manager we've ever seen. I, I, you know, would have to ask people older than me to compare him to others and go back all through the depths of Cubs history to to see where he ranks. But certainly for us, he's the best Cubs manager that we've ever seen. And like you said, Brendan, I mean really sincerely, he is in large part responsible for so many wonderful evenings and memories uh, just over the last five years that it's, it's really difficult to even count them all. Uh, I, I, I think of all the nights that I've spent at Wrigley Field when they've clinched a playoff spot or clinched a playoff series or or things of that sort and and just the the absolute dream it was to be a part of them and experience them and and finally live through those moments finally live through those moments of being at Wrigley Field when the Cubs won the pennant and went to the World Series being in and around Wrigley Field during the World Series in 2016 and in the aftermath at Grand Park and during the rally and all that stuff to to finally live through all of that after we had all dreamed about it for our entire lives is something, obviously, that I'll never forget. I, I consider it, uh, you know, probably the best month or so span of my life. And You can give him all the credit in the world for it. You can give him no credit. It's kind of up to you. But Joe was the manager of those teams, and that means he was guiding the ship, and that means that he was playing a very large role in what was happening. So uh, I think you're right, Brendan, that really the only sentiment today— for anyone should be gratitude to Joe Madden for coming into this organization when he did and, and helping guide it as much as he had. Because I think it's very easy to look back at this team in this situation and wonder what would have happened if it was somebody else. If If you put someone else in charge of this very young team full of 22 and 23 year olds, you know, back in 2015, what happens to them? Do, you know, we we heard from some of the guys on Sunday. You you think of people like John Lester? Does John Lester come to the Chicago Cubs to play for Rick Renteria? I don't know, but he did come here to play for Joe Madden. Does Ben Zobrist, ben Zobrist come Zobrist to Chicago? To play for somebody else, I don't know, but he did come here John to play Lacky for Joe Maddock, well,
1: Jason Hayward, as well. Yeah, you know, absolutely. A lot of guys. So I think
0: it's 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 very easy to look back and wonder how different things could have been, e- even knowing how much talent the Cubs had and how good Theo is and and all of that stuff. All of the pieces matter, and all of the pieces come together to form the the, the the final iteration of what we saw. And what we saw was a, a really magical run for the Cubs. And it may not be over, but at least for now, it's it's over with Joe at the helm. And I think that e- even if you're glad to see him go from a managerial perspective, I, I really think you ought to be able to step back and be appreciative for, for the time and work and effort that he's put into this organization. And if you can't, uh, I don't know, man. I, I think you got to look at your, your priorities again because he's uh, he's meant an awful lot to this organization and he's going to be missed. Brendan, this was uh, yeah, something that I think we all knew was coming. We We've talked about it even on this podcast for a long time that when you go into a season with a manager who doesn't have a contract extension, when you're coming off – an unsuccessful season, if you will, getting bounced in in the wild card game in 2018, we kind of knew that either the Cubs put up a big season and had a lot of success, or it would be difficult to justify bringing him back just because this is kind of the the, the bed that you had made. And it's kind of hard to maneuver around from that. So It certainly didn't come as a surprise, but I would be lying to all of you if even just over the last 72 hours or so when (laughs) this started to really hit home and and really start to gain a little momentum as we move toward a decision on Sunday morning, I I would be lying if I said it it didn't really hit me pretty hard. you know, the the manager of the team is almost like the dad or, you know, whatever of of the baseball team. And uh, that's what Joe has felt like, and he's not going to be there anymore. So yeah, I I think the the, the predominant and only sentiment, I guess, for today is just uh, appreciation and, and gratitude for everything that we've been able to go through together.
1: Yeah, I have one distinct memory of Joe that always stands out for me. And it's that 2015 spring training uh, that I went back out to Arizona. And it was the first where you could feel like a tangible sense of optimism at Sloan Park. That being, I think, the third season or the second season of it being open. And so I'm there, you know, watching BP, you know, doing the whole thing that normally a lot of us do. And out comes Chris Bryant running through the dugout, right, and you know to the practice field. So you see Chris Bryant. You see Anthony Rizzo. Schwarber was drafted the year before. Schwarber is there. Then out comes Joe Madden, and I'm thinking to myself like, Oh my God, this is like the first year in six or seven seasons where you just you you feel everything starting to kind of turn around, and Joe's enthusiasm was so apparent guys laughing on the field Rizzo joking with guys and even uh even Miguel Montero that year like that was one of the most enthusiastic spring trainings I've ever remembered Mickey joking around with guys and it just felt different right like I used to go to every I still do actually I go to every single spring training year and it just was so such a enlightenment type atmosphere. I can't I can't explain it. And even going from 2015 to 2019, last year when I was there at spring training, it was it was the same type of feel. I know there was a lot of you know doom and gloom because Joe was not extended that contract and a lot of things were changing around coming off that disappointment September last year, but he still kept it light. And I know he was asked a lot of the season to change, to become more hands-on with the guys. He was doing that. He was throwing BP with the guys. He was throwing these little tiny miniature baseballs that we always talk about to cultivate situational hitting. And he did everything that he was asked about. Never complained, never moaned about anything, no matter the circumstances. He was the first manager in modern-day Chicago Cubs history to win a World Series. Never complained about not getting the contract, right? Handled everything this season With class, never, never complained. And so, from five years, right, so many highs, a few lows, but Joe always had that sense of optimism. And even in his like goodbye, you could still feel it. He'll always be remembered as a cub. But from day one, Corey, him stepping into Sloan Park, seeing all the young guys sprint across the diamonds, go to the practice fields, and seeing Joe pop out of the building, it was like, okay we've arrived and every single season since has been nothing but optimism fun for the most part a few disappointments but it was more than i think any of us at least for me could have asked for and you guys can get tickets to next year's spring training or throughout any off-season basketball game football game concert through SeatGeek with millions of live event tickets in a price match guarantee SeatGeek proves there's a better way. Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. They built the fastest way to find tickets, so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? A quick look at the app store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How is that for customer satisfaction? It is just a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, then it rates each deal on a scale of one to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive, very easy to use seat map. SeatGeek breaks down the details, green dots mean good deals, red dots are overpriced, and every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I always use the SeatGeek app no matter what sporting event, baseball, football, basketball to buy tickets. I will always use it to buy spring training tickets because I know when my family comes in town, I have to buy like eight to 10 tickets at one time. I know I can buy them. I can email them right to my family friends. They can get them. They know what to do. It's just a really fast process. Takes about five minutes. Best of all, SeatGeek will even give you guys, the listeners, $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the Seeky app today and use promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. That is promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and going back to like when he first joined, I think it's an interesting juxtaposition to where we find ourselves today because I, I think you can certainly debate whether he is the right person to lead this team going forward, but I don't think that you can debate that he was the perfect person to start this era of Cubs baseball. And we talk about this a lot, but, but one of Joe's greatest strengths is understanding young players and and doing his best to really mindfully put them in a place to succeed. And I think when you look back at those 2015 and 2016 Cubs rosters and you factor in guys like Chris Bryant and even Javi, who was still going through those adjustments, Addison Russell coming up, Jorge Soler, Kyle Schwarber, etc. All these guys coming up and making their major league debuts and being asked to do so for a team that was competitive right away in 2015.
1: Even uh, Wilson Contreras in 2016, man, he comes in and he takes away the starting catcher role from one of the most savviest veteran backstops in terms of pitch calling and framing that we've seen in in quite some time. Right. And with
0: success. So I, I think that Joe is the perfect person for all of those guys and putting them into a situation where not only is he balancing getting these guys on the right path for their career and helping them adjust and putting them in those situations to succeed, but doing so while also trying to shoulder the burden of what was and no longer is because of him, a 108-year World Series drought. And I, I really can't underline how difficult a task that was and again I I really mean this I I really don't know how many people that we know in the game of baseball that that could be a manager or have been a manager I really don't know how many of them would have handled that as well and successfully as Joe Madden did and I and I might say that nobody else would have he's just the perfect person for that timing and that particular situation to be able to pull that off and the
1: cubs and it was fun too like that was the aspect of course winning's always going to be fun but when you watch a team 162 times a year like that's half that's half that's half your year that you're listening to these guys talk and it's the most unique sport because of that right like you look at these bears games you look at any football basketball You don't really get to understand coaches on that type of level, and you knew what Madden's mantra was. You knew what to expect every single day. The consistency was absurd, Corey, and that's what I'm going to miss the most. You can get into the -the on-the-field decisions, whatever, right? But even when the Cubs were losing, when they went down 1-3 in the World Series, Joe was optimistic, and it provided a sense of comfort. Even during 2015, when they went down 0-3, there was a distinct tweet. I'll never forget reading this. And one of the beats was uh, they were they were saying Joe was playing like Rocky music. And then the very next year in 2016, guess who's playing Rocky music? Corey Anthony Rizzo after winning Game Five. So you, you see the the effects are there, right? But just his levity, it was so refreshing. They have a manager not take everything so seriously. Coming off years of Lou Piniella and Mike Waddy and Renteria was a little bit different, but the Cubs have had so many serious managers over my lifetime. Dusty Baker too, of course. It was so refreshing not to have to dwell on these losses, on the bad times. Joe had a way of spinning that off and some type of encouragement. It was very unique.
0: Yeah, and I and I think a a really good example of that and the value of Joe's philosophy, especially early on, is Javi Baez. And I, I no think doubt. it's very easy it, taking nothing away from Javi. I think that Javi's the type of person who would would find a way to succeed in spite of almost anything. So it, it's it's I, I don't want to take that away from him, but he even talked today like joe let javi be javi and how many times joe has talked so specifically about that and when you look at the player that javi is today and you think back to all the concerns that surrounded his game when he first came up and when he was developing as a cubs prospect and I, again, it's it's a similar thing. Like I I do think that Javi would succeed no matter what. He's just that kind of person. But I, I think you could also look at that and say I don't know where Javi would be if not for Joe Madden and and having a manager who knew. And and you can look around the league and you know that some guys who manage these teams wouldn't feel this same way. But. Joe looked at Javi and he didn't see someone who was playing the game the wrong way. He didn't see someone who was forcing the issue too much. He saw someone with incredible instincts that he wanted to let breathe and let grow. He saw someone who would try to steal home at the drop of a hat, and it didn't scare him. It didn't frighten him. It didn't bother him. It excited him. He looked at Javi Baez and said, this guy has something in him, and I am going to stay the F out of his way, (laughs) and I am going to try to bring it out of him. And so many times when Javi would do stuff that didn't work or looked undisciplined or sloppy, Joe would get asked uh, about it and and what how he would coach it and things like that. And so often we'd heard him say, I'm not going to coach that out of him. You got to let Javi be Javi. And I think that speaks so much to who Joe is as as a person and a manager that that he looks at someone like Javi and he knows what's in there. He knows that that the instincts and the ability that Javi has is so good in nature and and not to get in the way of that, because it's it's not how a lot of other guys play, and some of it isn't by the book and, and all that other stuff, and and I think that we're all very lucky that Joe was the one that was given the keys to the, that early portion of Javi Baez's career, because again, I'm not sure what that looks like with a different guy. You, you look around, and, and you think, what, Javi Baez career would be like if his first manager was Mike Matheny or Joe Girardi Uh, or one of these guys who just doesn't like the way that guys like Javi play the game
1: right Corey too like that was Javi's sophomore season when Joe Madden was hired by the Cubs and Javi was coming off quite literally no exaggeration here one of the worst contact rates in major league history when he was first called up at 59%, okay? What what happens? Joe Madden gets hired. Two months later, he's in Puerto Rico talking to Javi Baez, meeting Javi Baez personally. There's a picture of it. Javi looks so young. just looking at it right now. But Madden was the type of guy who made people feel comfortable in failure. I mean, Javi was on top of the world, making his major league debut and one of the top prospects in in recent Cubs history, for him to go to Puerto Rico and let him be him, 2015, broke his hand or thumb, whatever happened, guess what? Comes in, in the NLDS, game four, hits the go-ahead home run in game four off of John Lackey, wins the NLDS, 2016, Javi gets his chance late in the season, Javi gets his chance right when the playoffs start. He was not the everyday second baseman that year. He was spelling Chris Bryant at third base, and when Bryant was in the outfield, Hobbes was at third base most of the time. The playoffs start, he gets his chance. He never let go of second base until 2019 when he became the starting shortstop. He let him be him. He's stealing home base in the NLCS. He's making and forcing errors all across the boards for the next two seasons. So I'm very confident in saying, yeah. If there's no if Madden's not hired, who knows where Javi Bias would be? Right. He was a significant uh, uh, contributor for Javi's success. Uh, he just he just was. I mean, Javi even said himself, like he let Joe Madden let Javi be who who he is, and that has translated to be one of the most instinctual players we'll ever see. And that was Joe. I, I don't know if he's the right guy for this current iteration of this team for many other reasons. But for the moment the Cubs hired him for a bunch of twenty, the twenty four, twenty five year olds, he was the absolute perfect fit.
0: yeah. and and I think that as the years go on, you know, certainly some of the stuff, to outsiders especially you know the the themed road trips and and the other wacky stuff he, he didn't really do as much of the like magician and zoo animal stuff as the years went on but you know I think for a lot of outside people perhaps that stuff gets tired but I think it's very telling that on a day like today five years into this when he, he's ultimately managing his final game as the Cubs manager. Nobody seems to have a bad thing to say about him. And and when you look right. at the body language and and all that we have, and you know, we, we, we don't know what anybody really thinks about anything, but you see Wilson Contreras in a, a long hug before the game started today. You hear Anthony Rizzo talking about how much he enjoys talking to Joe on a human level about life and baseball and anything. You hear Javi Baez, like we said, talk about Joe Madden and and what he's meant to him. I think it's very telling because you, you see it go the other way a lot this clubhouse never turned on him he never lost this clubhouse and again that's hard for us to know for sure but you can usually tell these things and usually these things leak out and it's it's very visible and readily apparent that, that there's just rampant problems and that didn't happen here and and for all intents and purposes I I have more of a worry today that the clubhouse is going to be pissed at Theo for getting rid of Joe Maddon than I do that they were hoping he would be gone. and And I think that's that's very telling that he went through this whole process, he did things his way, and his clubhouse stuck by him. His 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 people loved him from the minute he got here to the minute that he left. And even in spite of two straight seasons where the ultimate results were not what you wanted these players were still with him. The, these players still talk about how much they love him and, and how much they, they don't feel that he should be wearing the burden for this. And I think that's very telling to who Joe is and the kind of relationship that he's able to develop with these players. And it's not something that's easy to replicate and it's, it's going to be a, a tall task for Theo and company to find someone to try and replicate that and, and certainly an even taller task for that person to come in and and fill Joe's shoes because he he had a lot of success and he did things in a particular manner that I'm not really sure how we can expect somebody to come in and and replace that but I I I guess and and I'm 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 sure we'll we'll continue reminiscing about this stuff in particular I, I I suppose as good a time as any to just reiterate uh as perhaps we get into more of the decision surrounding this uh Joe Madden was hired in 2015 the Cubs made the playoffs four times they won the NL Central twice they were a wildcard team twice. They won a pennant once. And as you may remember, as we're always fond of reminding you, Joe Madden led the Chicago Cubs to the 2016 World Series Championship, which they won for the first time in 108 years. If you look in center field at Wrigley Field, there is a banner that says 2016 World Series champions, and the manager of that team was Joe Madden. So, I think uh, just a a good point to remind everyone of what Joe was able to accomplish here. Uh, And if you want to go take a look at which other Cubs managers did those same things, uh, namely winning a World (laughs) Series, you can get back to me whenever you want. Uh, I'll be waiting. But Brendan, I, I guess it's as good a time as any as we're, you know, probably about near the halfway mark here of this particular episode. What's your gut reaction here? We we, we talked about how we knew that this was going to happen. And and I, I think I said even in the last episode, again, like, he didn't come in with a contract. The whole expectation was urgency. We need to be better than losing in the wild card game and our offense falling off a cliff, yada, yada, yada. We changed all the coaches again, etc., And they were way worse. So it it, it didn't seem like rocket science to figure out that he wasn't going to come back, right? That seemed like a pretty, you know, one plus Mm -hmm. one equals two situation. But as you sit here today, not knowing who they're going to hire, looking back at everything and, and even knowing that it may have been a foregone conclusion, what is your gut reaction to today being the last day that Joe Madden is the manager of this team?
1: Oh, it's sad. It's jolting even though you expect it. But my gut reaction is this is one of several moves that will draw the same reaction. It it's it's gonna be an off season of reckoning. Guys are gonna be moved. Uh we're gonna hear names in trade rumors who are going to scare us. We're probably gonna hear names like Wilson Contreras, because he was mentioned even last offseason. And we've already heard names like Chris Bryant, who knows how true that is. But at the very least, like you know this is going to be one of those offseasons that will be very transformative for the next, not next season alone, but seasons in the future. Two, three, four seasons in the future. And so that's my gut reaction is I have a level of uncertainty that I have not felt in Seven years, Corey. This is the one offseason where I don't know what exactly is going to be the plan. When Theo was first hired in 2012, you knew what was going to happen. They were going to tank, 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 draft, and get to this level. This offseason, you don't know, are they going to trade Albert Almora? Are they going to trade Ian Happ? Are they going to extend Javi Baez and Chris Bryant? Are they going to trade Wilson Contreras? What is going to happen with a lot of these guys? And so that's my gut reaction is, I don't know what to expect. That kind of scares me at the same time. It kind of gives me some weird excitement. I can't I can't really explain it. This is the one time where I feel like this can be so transformative and so impactful for next season, but I, I, I can't put it into words, Corey. It is it's a weird mix because we knew this would happen. We knew Joe Madden would be gone for at least for at least the last three weeks. And watching like David Ross be interviewed on ESPN right now, go go look at that interview. Ross looks like he is desiring that job. There's a few quotes that I'll find in a few seconds here. But you're going to hear David Ross talk about potentially being hired. You're going to hear Mark Loretta's name come up. You're going to hear former recent players who have just retired, like Carlos Beltrán's and others, their names come up as well. So it's it's uncertain. It gives me some anxiety. But at the same time, in a weird sense, moving on, I I, I am excited. I, I really am. I think this team has a bright future for 2020. I think some of the lower level prospects in this system are coming into their own, like Brennan Davis and Miguel Amaya and Braylon Marquez. And I know the farm system in the last five years has not been that productive. But seeing Jason McLeod moved off as well, the, the intention, the effort is there. Joe Madden being let go or not returned is the first of many steps to come in this offseason. That's going to be the most transformative, I think, since maybe 2014, 2015, when, when we hired Joe Madden.
0: Yeah, I, I think we're mostly in agreement there. I, I think it's. I don't know if this is the the outcome that Joe deserved. I don't think so. I mean, I think that that putting too much of this on him, as we've discussed at length, certainly. Well, in, I'm, in not our last, deserved, no, I'm, I'm not, not saying he deserves. No, I'm not. This is my own. This is my own opinion. Uh, okay. Like, I, I think that it's hard to really figure out what the right direction in a situation like this is. As we've talked over the last few episodes, as as this season kind of really fell off the rails, like this is what tends to happen when you reach an outcome like this. Like I think it would have been a more interesting conversation if the Cubs had won 92 games and either won the division or won the wild card or something like that. And then you were really debating, like, okay, do we think that Joe is is the person for the future? Do we want him to give an extension? But when when you have just sort of a, a catastrophic failure of a season, as they did, this is kind of the natural outcome, and it, it doesn't really matter uh, whether it was deserved or you're, you're pinning it on one person. This is just kind of the natural direction of things. But as we've said a lot, I, I really hope that, that people don't pin too much of this on Joe and, and don't think that moving on from Joe is some sort of cure-all, because I think that, as we've discussed at length, There were all sorts of problems, and for as many times as I you know you you look at something for example like at the in the middle of this year when Joe brought in Derek Holland to face Weeters right and we had looked at his splits and talked endlessly about how he's awful against right-handed hitters he's okay against lefties like use him in mop-up duty and within like two games he's pitching to a right-handed hitter Weeters takes him deep whatever right like that's one of those situations where you can look at Joe and you can be like dude what are you doing like look at the splits at the same time, time I would go Derek Holland sucks don't give him Derek Holland Theo right so I think for I I just use as an as an example of like you can nitpick stuff that Joe did decision wise but ultimately he's only responsible for just that like those particular decisions he doesn't control the entire organization. He's not responsible for drafting these guys. He's not responsible for developing them in the lower levels. He's not responsible for who gets called up, who gets sent down, who gets traded, who gets acquired, etc. So it's it, it's an organizational thing. But I, I my stance on this, and I, I've wavered on this a lot over the last week or so, is my answer on whether this was the right move or not depends on who they hire. And perhaps that's hedging a little bit on on not offering an opinion on on whether this was right to do to Joe or not. Uh, but it all depends on what your plan is and, and who you're planning to replace him with and why. Because I, I think you've had a lot of success. You know what Joe brings to the table. You know what his weaknesses are. You know what his strengths are. And he has a, a huge reputation and, and persona in the, in this clubhouse. And if you're planning to replace him with someone worse than him in, in some of those same areas, or someone who doesn't have experience, or, you know, who knows, right? And, and the, the list of candidates is going to be fairly long. I, I think that's what's going to determine how I feel about this, because I, I think that I understand where the organization is coming from in this is not a good season. We're trending the wrong direction. Players aren't developing. It, it just feels stale at the moment. The whole thing feels stale and, and, and not headed on the right trajectory, but you can always get worse, folks, and, and I mean that really sincerely. You can always hire someone that is worse. You can hire someone who makes worse bullpen decisions. You can hire someone who makes worse lineup decisions, and you can hire someone who, in a tumultuous season like this, doesn't respect the manager like these players do with Joe and don't speak at length about how much they mean to him. You can hire someone who these players hate and who the the rift is palpable from Twitter and the beat writers and all that other stuff. And it's, it's a, sometimes hard to know exactly who that is. So I have a, a couple of guys, I guess, who I think... I would say, okay, I'm interested in this. This seems like at least pursuing a new direction, trying something different, and I can get on board with this. And there's a lot of names where I would say, man, if you got rid of Joe Madden for this guy, I don't know about it, Brendan. So Joe that's- Joe Girardi. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I'll, I'll, <laughs> like since you brought it up, I'll blanket statement, and we don't have to talk about this again, we're not entertaining this. Joe Girardi yeah. got fired from the Yankees for a lot of different reasons. The Yankees are a very similar team to the Cubs, a lot of money, expectations big players, big personalities, etc. Big time front office personalities as well, celebrity GMs and presidents, if you will, Brian Cashman and Theo Epstein, I think very similar in a lot of regards. And Joe Girardi was fired in New York for reasons. And if you read those reasons in a lot of the articles that were published, I worked there at the time and I would tell you that that's all true. Uh, why the Cubs would hire someone who is worse with bullpen management and lineup management and interacting with young players, as well as someone who was fired for not getting along with the front office and ignoring all of the data and research that they spend millions of dollars to do, I have no idea. If Joe Girardi's your jam, you can root for whatever you want. But we are not entertaining that on the Cubs-related podcast. If they hire Joe Girardi— Brendan, we're doing an explicit episode and it's gonna be four <laughs> hours long and it is gonna be an absolute mess. This that's not happening. Theo's not that dumb. No. No to Joe Girardi. Watch him no, no, no. Watch the no, freaking do it. No, 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 Brendan.
1: That's not gonna happen. I, I, I see it all the time. Do you think that was happen. clear?
0: Did I get that point across?
1: Nah, uh, you could have been a little bit more clear. No yeah, Joe
0: Girardi ever not happening. full stop.
1: So I don't think this decision to let Joe go was based on you know this one year. This was a two-year graduation, so to speak, of him being not returning. And you look back at that 2018 year, and that bringing in Chili Davis was the sign for me that maybe you do need some different perspectives in this dugout because that was a failure at a massive level where a lot of guys and their development was stalled. It was stagnant. And Joe was a significant reason for that. Even bringing in Jim Hickey, for example, a lot of the pitchers, their development was stalled as well. So there's on-the-field decisions, but then there's off-season decisions That have long-lasting implications that Joe was a part of in collaboration with Theo Epstein in the front office. And I do think that was an indictment, for, for me at least, on having confidence that Joe knows what this current iteration of Chicago Cubs baseball needs. And it's not to say that he's dumb or that he made bad decisions or that the intention, the intention wasn't correct. It was correct. I think we all knew the Cubs had holes in their games that needed to be addressed. It's just, it didn't work. He had two years to figure it out. Yeah, 2018 didn't work. 2019, he tried to be more hands-on. The front office got Anthony Posey back involved. They hired Tommy Hadavi. It was their coaching staff and not necessarily Joe's. And they wanted Joe to change things up with his coaching style on the field. They tried it. They got worse defensively. They got worse space running-wise. It didn't work. And so it's not like, hey, Joe sucks. Let's let's get rid of him because he sucks. It's more like, let's just get a different voice in here. Let's get a different perspective, some different ideas. And I hate to say it, but in two years when Theo Epstein, when his contract is up, we we may be having the same conversation. But I do want to pull up uh, David Ross's quote here because he was talking about the potential job on Baseball Tonight at ESPN. And he said, quote, the rumors are flattering. It makes you think about a lot of things. I've got a nice job here at ESPN that I enjoy and gives me a lot of free time with my kids, end quote. But he did go on to say, just to paraphrase, that the job is tantalizing. And he said, quote, that my heart is drawn to that dugout. It does make you question. And you look at how he gave this interview and there's a screenshot of his face. It looks like he does want the job. Do I think David Ross is the right guy for the job? I'm like full transparency. I don't know who the hell is right for these jobs. The, these managers, especially the first years and the younger ones, like we have no idea what they can bring. The only time you understand that is if you're talking with them. If if you're on a fly on the wall in the interview with Theo Epstein, you have no idea what these guys bring to the table. But Ross, I think, will be one of the candidates. Mark Loretta will be one of the candidates as well. And ultimately, if it does come down to David Ross or Mark Loretta, or whoever it is, I, I do have confidence at least for this front office to identify who will be the next man in. And the one thing that I do want Corey is someone who has like the ability to cultivate an enriched environment where now you can translate some of this new age data that you see from Driveline and other folks like on the field right away. So I want someone at least that has that understanding. Not that they have to have experience in that, but they have the ability to just cultivate that environment. Because that was what Madden did so well is he cultivated that that free environment where everyone could, you know, try to fail and adjust at one time and it, it ran its course. But I do think in this era you need that. You need the best people on that coaching staff. You need that the best people who can consult with and help these guys develop. And I hope that is my main priority for the next manager, that they get that. And I can get past some of the on-field managerial decisions, the bad pitching decisions. I can get past that. That That's okay for me. But I, what I can't get past is not developing Ian Hap. I can't get past not getting shorter to that next level. That is something that's just not acceptable by me. So you, if you're going to hire someone new, Joe Girardi probably is not the guy, but if you're gonna hire someone,
0: nope, nope. you gotta you gotta redo that. He's not probably not the guy. (laughs) He's not the guy. Yeah, so if I can share a little bit of wisdom going back to my time with the Yankees, and I always say this, I, I never say this stuff as any semblance of like a humble brag. I was an intern, so far be it from me to act like I was some big baseball executive, but it does end up being useful every now and again. And we did a, a lunch with Brian Cashman where all of the baseball operations interns and, and people from the front office were able to just eat with, with Cash and ask him questions and he would tell some stories, et cetera. And one particular note always stuck with me. And obviously it's somewhat of a blanket statement, but he he we talked about managers and this, that, and the other and some of the vacancies that were available at the time. This was probably like 2013, I think and he looked all of us dead in the eye, and he said, when I hire a manager and when I talk to our manager, I'm only thinking one thing. I put this team together. I'm hiring someone to stay the F out of the way, meaning I put this team together, and the person that I put in charge shouldn't mess it up, and I think that's kind of what you're getting at, Brendan. When when a team put so much thought and development into a roster and you look at trends in the game of baseball and where the paradigms are in the game of baseball and and the the data and all of the scientific thinking you don't want your manager getting in the way of that and and regressing did some this feel of like these Joe Maddon did In your in your perspective, it's always hard to tell because we're not. No, I think if you looked at a lot of these guys, he he got the most. I mean, we were just talking about how he got the most out of Hobby. I think that's a good example. Specifically
1: within the last two years, you look at Ian Happ and Schwarber. Yeah, I mean, their development was a little bit lagging.
0: It's tough, yeah, and and part of that, you know, I think is kind of that balance that Joe has tried and 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 most times succeeded at. But part of that is that balance of this is this is a competitive team and while you may have a, a a certain plan for a guy sometimes that doesn't always square with we need to win games today right so yeah. i think that's that's tougher to figure out but but I, I i only bring up that that cashman quote to kind of illustrate what you were saying from a, a high level executive which is basically like we're putting so much thought we we have so many different beliefs and and visions for these players and Maybe certain managers don't bring it all out, but certain managers definitely get in the way of it, right? And right. you look at Schwarber, I think, as a good example. And I think Joe has done his absolute best to get the most out of Schwarber, even in times to a fault, right? Like when Schwarber hasn't been performing, Joe has still been trying. We got to get him going against lefties, this, that, and the other. Like how many times do we hear that stuff? And I think that's a good example of the front office has such a belief in Kyle Schwarber, in what he can be. And I think that Joe did everything he could to not stand in the way of that and, and to let Kyle as he has done in in large part in the 2019 season, especially in the second half, become that player. And there would be other managers who would have Kyle Schwarber riding the bench every day, never playing in the field because they think he's a bad fielder, this, that, and the other, right? And I think that that's an example of where Joe did what Cashman was talking about. He didn't get in the way of Kyle Schwarber. He, he did his absolute best to let him become that person, and he's starting to finally do it. So back to the, the candidates, the, the ones that, that, that stick out for me, uh, I think without knowing him personally, obviously, or, or you know anything other than what I've read and heard, Carlos Beltran is an extremely intriguing name. To me, I think that when you have someone who was a player of his caliber and who was a part of those Astros teams, when when people are talked about in such a manner like that, such a positive light, you do have to take notice because I remember when he was first retiring and when he was the veteran of that clubhouse and whatnot the stuff that was coming out about him and the role that he was playing and the leadership that he was providing was was pretty astounding like wow like this guy is getting just an absolute sterling report from all accounts like he's bilingual he seems to get along with you know both the American and the Latin American players because he's able to kind of bridge that gap he's gone through a lot of this obviously being a veteran and being a veteran that performed at an extremely high level when Beltran was at his best and he just seems like he has those smarts to like you said Brendan take where the game is going and and what the front office may be digging into and translate it in, in the right way to these players. Um, I think that David Ross is intriguing. I, you know, I think the biggest concern there is that he was a part of this clubhouse. He was a member of this clubhouse even to this day. He goes golfing with some of these guys. He's friends with some of these guys. What does that look like if, if he's in charge? John Lester saying today that, you know, I talked to David Ross like a friend, not like my boss. And we know that David used to scream at him and boss him around when they were a battery. But what does that look like if David Ross is the one saying uh, eh, John, I'm going to take you out in the fifth inning? Is John going to look at him like his friend or is he going to look at him like his boss? Right? Because I know how he looked at Joe when he would take him out <laughs> in the fifth inning. So how does that work with David Sometimes Ross? He I, didn't look at Joe. I don't know. So, I think those are two of the more intriguing names to me. And then I think when you go anywhere else, there may be names that I haven't heard of. I'm sure there are, you know, pitching coaches and and things of that nature that you could poach from other organizations. And and you know, I'd have to dig more into them. When we get to guys like Loretta, is where I get a little. I, I'm in the I'm in the middle. And then anything other than that, you know, I I, I was looking. I think it was like Odd Shark or Bovada, some some odds site. You know, it had names like Girardi, which again, no, full stop. Uh, John Farrell, no, full stop. Uh, you know, names like that where you're just like, eh, right? Like, you know, I would have just stayed with Madden instead of going to to some of these other guys. Loretta, I think, is in that middle ground. I think he just seems kind of boring. Like, no offense to Mark Loretta. He, He seems like a smart guy. He was a good player. And I think similar to Beltran, would be able to kind of bring that veteran Nature and understanding to, to the team. He's already been around the team, so I think the guy should have a good rapport with him. But again, like that's one where you're asking, like, yeah, you know, we got rid of Joe Madden for this. Like, we got rid of a guy who's accomplished more in this organization than basically any manager in the history of the franchise. Is this. Worth it? Is
1: this the direction we should be going? And I'm not really sure. So, no, I feel like I, I feel like Marco Loretta's getting a lot of undue criticism for his candidacy. And the reason I say that is when we talk about names like David Ross and Carlos Beltran, we're talking about their on the field performances uh-huh. and what they're remembered for. David Ross, champion with the Cups, uh, Carlos Beltran, a Hall of Fame player. Like, that's why you're sort of drawn to those names because they've given you such great moments on the field. For Loretta, he had a good career himself, but the one like thing I think makes sense about Loretta is having one year under Joe Madden. There's a lot of good attributes sure. about Joe Madden, right? To learn from that for one year is a bonus for me. The second bonus is that he's young. He transitioned from that old school 90 or early 2000s, you know, early 2010s form of thinking in baseball to now possibly managing the Chicago Cubs. That is a transition that I like. And the third thing that I do like, and whatever, I, I like it, is when he got on the headset, Corey, he got suspended for this, got on the headset and was like listening into New York's umpire decision for one of the, one of the reviews and like talking like crap about it. I I like that. I think there's a lot of instances where you can look at his resume and you can pinpoint examples of the hiring making sense if it does come down to that. And there's, there's three main ones. One, Theo hired him, dude. He hired him to be the bench coach for a reason. And he has a pretty good reputation for hiring successful coaches. A lot of guys have been managers because Theo is the one who hired them. Terry Francona, right? Brandon Hyde. Dave Martinez. A lot of these guys got chances by Theo Epstein. We look at Will Venable is another guy. Eric Kinski. The list goes on and on and on. So I do have confidence in Theo's ability to identify, you know, coaching talent in that regard. Number two, again, is that tutelage underneath Joe Madden for a year. That's an invaluable experience in my opinion. And three, it's, it's, Bridging the gap from you know, old school baseball to new school and understanding the dynamic of a modern day clubhouse. So I think when you consider all of the options right now, you know the most about Mark Loretta and David Ross because they were with the Cubs. You know a little bit about Beltran because of his fabulous career. But on an actual coaching basis, we know the most about Mark Loretta, and that gives me some, you know, some confidence that if he were to be hired, I'm okay with it. I, I've I've seen this on Twitter too. Like, we don't really know what the hell these guys are being talked about. You know, like we have no idea what they can bring to any type of clubhouse or on the field decisions. But I, I think if there's a reason that he was the bench coach for one year hired by Theo Epstein there's a damn good reason for it, man. And I think there's a lot of reasons to like what Mark Loretta could bring. The name sounds boring. Like, yeah, I get it. But there are some instances where I do think it makes sense.
0: Yeah, so I I, I didn't mean to even critique him, really. I just think he's in that. I think there's a couple guys that I would be like, I don't know if I would say excited, but in, intrigued. Like, okay, I'm into this. I, I think this is an interesting new direction. I, I, I envision this going well. Let's see what happens. I think Loretta's like kind of in that middle. Like, I,
1: I don't know. Let's see. But, Let's but learn every, more like, about But every him. managerial hire is boring for the first time. Yeah, like when, that's when Madden was true. hired, like, oh, who's who's Joe Madden? I mean, He's at least just in concept, coach. if they hired Beltran tomorrow, I would be pretty pumped about but it. But what I, do you know, about, what, what do you know about Beltran? Like, not to like go at you here, but like, what do you know about Beltran other than his twenty-year Hall of Fame career, like I've not, ne- I cannot name one Beltron quote or instance. I've seen his reactions with his Houston Astros teammates, but like outside of that, it, it I know was, nothing all, it about the It was all guy. of the language when he was
0: that veteran in his last year with the Astros. It, everybody just kept raving about how important he was to that team and how smart he was and the wisdom that he was imparting to all of those young players who were making similar transitions to that that we've seen of these Cubs guys. So okay. I, I, I just think that he would be. I, I, again, really, what it stems from is just like we, we're we're letting go of someone who accomplished an awful lot in Joe Madden and who everybody seemed to love on a personal level. So I'm just looking for anything that that makes me say, okay, like I'm intrigued by this, right? And I, I think Loretta's just in that middle ground. I'm not necessarily intrigued by him. I'm not put off by him, but I'm definitely put off by a lot of these names. So that's that's where I am. It'll be interesting to see. What they ultimately come up with, I you know, uh, there it, it's it's going to be a sought after job. There's some good jobs opening. Uh, Joe himself should be able to find a, a new landing spot if he wants to get back to work right away. I think Joe Madden in San Diego with those young players is about as perfect of a fit as say the pre twenty fifteen Chicago Cubs, right? Like I, I just think that seems like a slam dunk for them. But whether they decide to do it, whether Joe decides to do it, I don't know. It'll it'll be an interesting process, but one that we are in.
1: We are in this process. The Cubs what don't about have an answer, folks. So what's your first reaction of Mark De Rosa? Ugh, no. People have asked about this. I'm serious. Yeah, no.
0: I, I again like that's I, I nothing that I've seen From his discussion or anything like that on the MLB Network is intriguing to
1: me. He he Um, had that same reputation with the Cubs in 2008. Like people love the guy, Corey.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, like I said, I you know sometimes I'm just I'm going off of what I know, and I may know more about certain guys and less about other guys. Uh it's certainly probably a little bit of recency bias. I mean I you know, he's on the MLB network doing some of those highlight shows and I'm I never find myself saying, huh, you know, he seems like a smart guy that I right. wish was managing the Cubs. Uh but, you know, obviously that's on T V, so maybe that's not a particularly fair way to be looking at him. Uh, but it'll be an interesting process and you know, I don't know when they're Going to begin this hunt in earnest, or when they'll start interviewing people, I, I I don't really know. It's been a while since we've done this, so we'll see. Uh, the only other thing, Brendan, uh, you don't have a series to preview anymore because the Cubs don't have baseball games to play anymore, which is lame and depressing, and a nice way to bring this podcast even further down into the depths of our emotions, but. I, I do want to finish, and we'll touch on this when, when we speak next. Uh, but we, we don't have official word on this. But Ben Zobris does pitch in Sunday's game. He ends his outing by striking out Yadi Molina. Some nice movement on that last pitch. He got a little bit of sink action on that one. <laughs> I think it was about like 80 miles an hour. But a, a nice little little dip on on whatever that was uh, from from Benzo. And Pedro Strope, also, uh, I believe, in the Cubs dugout after the game, the uh, locker room did a toast to Joe, to Ben Zobrist, and to Pedro Strope, three guys who have been with this club for a while now, who have been instrumental in their success over the last several years, instrumental in them winning a World Series in 2016, and whose future is uncertain. So we don't have a definitive word on Ben Zobrist. Seems Plausible, if not likely, that he will hang it up and call it a career. And Pedro Strope is a free agent. So we don't really know what the future is going to hold. Um, it, it didn't really feel right to divide the podcast. It really felt like it deserved to be about Joe Madden. Uh, and again, we'll touch on those two guys if and when they do officially move on. But this is, uh, you know, kind of a, a changing of the guard. Day for the Chicago Cubs. There's there's going to be some new faces and there's going to be some some staples, some pillars of this team who just aren't there anymore. And uh, it's it's a, a bit of a, a sad day, but uh, regardless, you know we we are very appreciative that that those three men were a part of this organization and for everything that they have provided us uh, on the field, off the field, and anything in between. So, uh, Brendan, I I will throw it back to you for for any final thoughts as the last Cubs-related podcast where Joe Madden is our manager.
1: Oh, man. Um, Yeah, I I have a Joe Madden World Series championship jersey. I will still be wearing that, probably to spring training next year. I, I will say, like, there's a lot of sadness involved, but... Three years from now, Joe's going to be welcomed back. Joe is a staple in Chicago Cubs legend. He's never, ever going away. So, no matter where he goes, whether it's San Diego, whether it's Los Angeles for the Angels, like wherever he goes, three to five years, he's going to be back. And I will always remember this area of Cubs baseball as one of the best, most memorable. And most importantly, most fun. And I think principles that we all can take for years to come in in baseball and life in general. And a lot of different players reiterated that. So with Ben Zobrist as well and Pedro Strop, and some of these other guys possibly playing their very last games as a Chicago Cub. And some of whom, like Ben Zobrist, last game as a major leaguer. Thank, thank you. This is going to be an off season of massive transition, massive transformation. And I hope that whatever happens for these guys that we never look back on 2019, especially Strope for example, and remember like that's who Strope was. Like he was one of the best relievers in Chicago Cubs history for a 5 year span. 2019 was one defined by injuries, by age and Pedro despite all of that Came back from the injury list multiple times, pitched through a lot of injuries. His velocity went down almost immediately after facing a knee injury, hamstring injury, whatever it was, right? So, like, genuinely, thank you. And I, I can't wait to see what the future holds for this current Chicago Cubs team. But I also, um I can't wait to see these guys welcomed back in a different tone. And I think... When we look back at this era of Cubs baseball, I know a lot of people are comparing this to like the '85 Bears. It's 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 not that. Like this is, this is not that. Baseball is a weird, goofy sport. And Madden was one of the most successful managers in any five year span in in major league history. Man, he won what is it? Two divisions over 400 whatever games it was. He went to the NLCS his first three straight years. He was a few games away from going to three World Series if you want to look at it like that huge success. And for that, I will always, always wear his jersey. I don't care if I get any crap for it. The guy changed baseball culture for me, how I view it as a fan. And I will always hold that near and dear to my heart, Corey. I don't really think I have much to add to that. I think
0: that was a fitting send-off. I I kind of said it in the beginning, but There have been many an unforgettable night at and around Wrigley Field since 2015, and Joe was driving the ship for all of those evenings, and I will never forget him for it, and I will be forever grateful for it. Uh, So we will talk to you guys soon we'll we'll keep you guys uh, aware of what the schedule is going to be as we always say we don't really like to ask you guys to download and listen to these episodes if we don't have anything to talk about so we'll see what goes on with the cubs and keep uh keep you aware I am at CF Cubs Related on Twitter. Brendan is at Cubs Related. So stick with us there and we will let you know uh, what the schedule is going to be. Obviously, we're not in the free agent and trade period yet. The other teams that were fortunate enough to make the MLB playoffs will be playing. So there may not be a lot going on. So just stick with us. We'll keep you guys updated on that. And other than my regular sign-off, I am going to end with what has to be one of Joe Madden's most classic phrases, as I think that his own words are a a good way to go out here. And I, I mean, we must have heard this from Joe a million times, and it's simply this, quote, never permit the pressure to exceed the pleasure. Go Cubs.
1: Kaiser is off the chain. Everything is in one place for you. Your x-ray will be done there. The doctor will see you there. The labs are there for you. And then the nurses that work with you at Kaiser, they make you feel so at home. They're there to meet your needs. I would not be alive today if I had not had Kaiser Permanente. I feel really,
0: really great knowing there's a place that I can go to make sure that I can maintain good health on a regular basis.
1: Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan. in middle States, two one zero one East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852.